I'm Andy Chrisman, and for the past four decades, I have found myself in the middle of the phenomenon that is the Christian music industry. From my years recording and touring the world as one of the guys in For Him, to my years as a megachurch worship pastor, and for the past 16 years, I've been hosting a radio show called Worship with Andy Chrisman, heard on 500 stations around the world every week. And because of all this, I've been blessed with a unique perspective. I've toured with, recorded with, and become friends with just about everyone that's responsible for the music that plays on Christian radio and sung in churches everywhere. I think that makes me the perfect person to share their stories with you here on One Degree of Andy. Today I sit down with, in my opinion, one of the most interesting people in the Christian music industry I've ever met. Al, you and I go all the way back to 1990. Probably that's when you you signed you signed with Benson. Yep. Same time we did. Yes, sir. So we were there at the same time. We saw you all the time yep. at the Benson Building. We would do <laughs> showcases together yeah, and absolutely. see each other on the road at festivals and play jokes at each other. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was that was so much a, a big part of the fun of what we sure. did back then when we were sure. younger. Um, but now. It's incredible to see what you've done in the the life that you built, not just as a songwriter, musician, and artist, but as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, just you're you're doing everything everywhere. It's incredible. But I I'm not surprised because of just your personality, your love for people, your love for God. And so today, I'm just honored to sit down with you as a friend and you know let our listeners hear your story. And and now I, I think in the time that we have here. We're probably just going to touch on a few things, and maybe we'll do something again a little later on. I'm excited. Ch- I'm excited to chit chat with you. When, when when you ask about this, I have already been following your podcast and just became a fan. And I've always loved you, anyway. And I'm not saying it's just because we're on tape. I've always <laughs> loved you. I've loved Mark. I've loved for him. I've loved our times together. I've loved the fun. But but to see God continue to use you in a new season, a new chapter, I said, this guy recalls me. I'm going to jump all over it. And uh, I've been kind of busy to not head that direction some. So this is an honor for me to be here. Well, I, the honor's all mine, really. So, it is. And it was it was really fun to connect with you last year when um, we all got on your plane. A bunch of us came down to Dallas. Oh, yeah, plane. that's right, Don. Yeah, and we went to and, – and, of course, Don, Don's been on the podcast and completely healed. God's completely healed. And yeah, can't, incredible. But that was such a really special time to jump on that plane with you and and fly from Dallas to Nashville with who all who was on the plane? It was me and Mark and Marty. Marty Philip Green Dean, yeah. yeah Philip, yeah, uh Dan Dean, yeah. Greg Long. Greg, that's right. Yeah. And I think that was um did Tracy come with us? Yeah, Tracy. Mike Tracy? Yeah. yeah. And Tracy. you were there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh so yeah, and then that I barely just, made a cut, but I was yeah. Playing. Well, we're we're glad that you yeah, we're glad you had a plane that could fit us all. But that I think to me that was a little bit of a a reconnection with you yes. on a little deeper level than just you know running into you every now and then or sure. texting each other every now and then. Sure, but, sure, sure. Um, you know the stories. I just was reminded of the stories that you're a part of, and right. um, and I know I want to get to a lot of that as we talk. But sure. let's just kind of start at the beginning. Let's talk. Let's talk about you. Um, starting your music career and kind of how all that happened to, yeah. because everybody's got a story, right? Everybody's got a story of not just I'm gifted 
or I'm, uh, you know, I'm not scared to get on stage. I mean, those are the two first things you gotta have. Right, right, right. But then you gotta have that that next gear, and that's what most artists aren't unable to find is that that sense of like I can do this and I can be good at this. Is there? Yeah. Do you remember a point in your life? When you were younger, that you're like, I, I think I want to do this for a living. Yeah, and I think I can. It was sad, but I was at a funeral. <laughs> my my great grandmother died, and I met my dad in New Orleans. We we're driving up to, I think, Picking, Mississippi, or something. And we get in the car, and I'm in college. My parents are living in Florida. I'm still in Houston, and uh, so we met in New Orleans. We're driving up to the funeral. My dad it was interesting. My dad said, "Son, what do you want to do with your life? What does God want you to do?" And I said, well, he said, no, 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 don't answer. I don't want to hear the answer. I just want you to think about that question. So we at the funeral, so now I'm at the funeral. I'm sitting there singing, and I'm, I'm realizing the depths of the words, of the lyrics, of what I'm saying, of, of the reaction from the people, because I'm singing at my great-grandmother's funeral. Yeah. I got back in the car, my dad, we're heading back, and I said, hey, Dad. Can I talk about the question you asked me? I think I know what I'm supposed to do. He said, I don't want to hear it. He goes, I just want you to go do it. Mm. He said, if you know what you're going to go do, then go do it. Because if that's what God wants you to do, he's going to take care of the steps, even if they're extremely difficult. My dad had uh, a similar conversation with me. Um, I was going to school for math and engineering. And he kidding. No, you know, in Oklahoma State. I, well, I was running from my my call. I got you it. Know, sure. I people had laid hands on me. Well, we were in the Baptist Church, Southern Baptist Church. They didn't lay yeah. hands on me, yeah. but they would come up and go, "Brother, yeah, you know, you're they tap your shoulder. Your you're good. really good at this. You're going to do this." I look back now and see they're really speaking over me. But sure. um, yeah, well, I remember calling him from college. Before I got an audition with Truth. Yes, and I called him and I was terrified because I was like, oh, he's. He's paid for my education, and right. you know he's a he's a businessman. He's sure. a, a math guy, accounting guy, and it, I, he had your path figured out. Oh yeah, well, but he said, I, I never forget. He said, uh, "Son, don't give yourself a chance to say what if. I think you can do this. Ooh, now time. go, and if it doesn't work out, come back. You're young. You can come back. Just go. Just go try. But don't don't have any regret in your life. Right. Just go do what you feel like is the next step in your life. Now, I want to repeat that what you just said. Don't give yourself chance to say what if yeah that is a strong line if you don't get anything else this podcast you just got that from andy that was <laughs> write it awesome. down put it on yeah exactly yeah well so i went i went i went there and then, and then when i got started i realized that okay one i wasn't the best singer got it so i mean i could i could sing i could carry a pitch i did okay most of the time you know what i'm saying i was glad when autotune came out but i, I, I mm-hmm. could do pretty much you know i could play i was i was a fairly skilled player so I felt like, okay, that's good. Uh, I was, personality-wise, I felt like I was pretty funny. So so I was quick-witted, and yeah. I was quick on Which stage. Which is really important in this industry. Yeah. yeah. And I was quick on stage. Yeah. So I could, and I was always, and I taught my kids this. And the fourth one is the one that I felt like really helped my career a lot. But I teach my kids four things, and we talk about it all the time. Honor God. Do your best. Don't quit. And don't be afraid to take a risk. And that last one was what I realized was the biggest key to me continuing to move forward in my career because I wasn't afraid to get out there and take risks on stage, off stage, going to, I mean, I wasn't afraid to really go for it. 
that made a huge difference because I realized I was singing and we 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 had a, a tornado kind of hit our ranch about eight years ago and it tore down one of our warehouses where all our files were. We were trying to pick up these files, blah blah. And I picked up this one file and it was a concert I had in 1986. It was a contract, and I was going there and they were paying me seven cents a mile to drive there, and my honorary was $75. That's not nothing. And I was looking at the contract going, <laughs> man, this was cool. I remember how proud I was and how honored I was and how cool I thought it was that I had a chance to go do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And the hard part about being in a career like we are is we need to remember that moment. Even when it gets bigger and bigger right. and bigger, we right. need to go back to that moment. And if we don't, God will bring us back to that. Mm. Whether we want to go or not, now, most yeah. of the time it's because we don't want to go. <laughs> right. He has to bring us back. That's right. That's right. Which I believe happened to me, December eighteenth, nineteen ninety four, when I had a plane crash. And when I was in that plane crash, I think He said, "I've been trying to get your attention. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to talk." I've been trying to help you understand what I have for you. And you just keep thinking it's about you. So he put me down on the ground, mm-hmm. put me in a bed and broke pretty much most of my body, broke my face. I had 580 stitches in my face. You can tell I had plastic surgery, but I ran out of money. Otherwise, I'd have finished. <laughs> well, I remember seeing you. I, we didn't see you for a long time. After that. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It was a time. The recovery is yeah. long, man. Yeah. But, but. That's when I'm, it's hard when you have to call your wife and say, Hey, can you come in here and roll me over? You can't even move the roll wow. over. It, that's, that's tough. How long were you bedridden? Uh, I was in and out. I was wheelchair ridden for a long time, but yeah, I don't know the exact time. It was way longer than I wanted to, but probably way shorter than God wanted. He wanted me to sit and listen. Yeah. And I finally, you know, finally kind of said, Hey, why am I here? What did this? Blah, blah, blah. And then from that, I started going back to that little contract I found uh-huh. because that was the heart of what I was doing. And it turned out, yeah, you know, it was about me. Mm-hmm. I, I had turned around and said, I'm doing really good. This is, boy, I'm, I'm on top of the world. Hey, I got, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I had to, it was, it's hard. It's hard to, the old song, sometimes I had to be knocked down to make me yeah. look up. So they don't really teach you that when you sign your album deal, when you get into the touring world, and sure. it becomes this whole different thing than what you started out to do. Like the, those, I'm not saying they were impure motives, but they were they were just different because. Um, and and you you were a different animal though, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But um, for most of us, it was it was yeah. You're, you're, you're just you're thrilled to have a record contract. You're thrilled to have a single on radio. Sure, sure. You're thrilled that it's actually go, going up the charts. Yeah. You're thrilled that you get to go out on a tour with someone and, and you're on a bus. And but then the stakes get higher and higher and higher and higher. And it does become about you and your you know what you're able to bring to the table. So to deliver your deliver. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what brings so many people down in this industry is. Now they start chasing that thing that they didn't know was going to be a thing when they first started this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, every, again, everybody I talk to has that moment where we go, oh, oh, God, what are we, 
what are we doing this for? Like, what, what is this really all about? Well, I know, like, like not name dropping, but but like Michael W. Smith, I've been able to have some time with him. Man, he he's just the real deal. And yeah, you know, is. I go hang out with him, and I, I ask myself questions a lot of times. How, with all your success, were you able to keep it right here, yeah, right where you are? And and uh, for me, I'm seeing that now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I wish I'd seen it then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and the, but at the same time. But that's a great, that's the, that's how gracious God is. Yeah. Right? By the way, I can name other artists. Yeah. I just pulled him off because yeah. I just texted him the other day. So I just yeah. pulled him off for that. But, yeah. but, but part of the, the thing was coming back out of that. Uh-huh. I definitely had a completely different perspective. You know what's odd in all that? In that whole transition, even though, even though, it became about me and a lot of that area of life. I never lost my passion to reach. And for me, it was youth to reach kids for Christ. That passion never went away. Even though it was about me, I still wanted to see kids come to Christ. Yeah. I still wanted to understand the real Jesus that I was talking about. Yeah. I, real, the, I really wanted to see them grasp that because I had a rule, a, a little slogan, not a rule, that said, no Jesus, no change. No change, no Jesus. So I knew if they'd embraced Jesus, it'd change. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. And even though I was driven part for me, that part never left. Ever, ever, ever left. It never swayed. It never did. And I feel like that's why I continue to have success. Yeah. Because God still was pleased with that area. Makes sense? Yeah. I don't think God punches anybody. I think our choices make our decisions. But right. I think God was still pleased at that area. So when a door may close, it was still slightly open, and he had opened it a lot bigger if I had just made some changes. So, so the plane crashed, although it was horrible. Pilot died. It was still um, a blessing for me when I look back over the long run. Although I, I hate that a life was lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was still a blessing for me because I was able to change through that. Well, let's go back to the beginning of your music career. Sure, as an as an artist, and okay. you had some you had some pretty big tunes right out of the box. And no, I did. You had you had that instant success. You know, not that you didn't toil and work hard before that, but sure. kind of the instant success right out of the box that everyone kind of needs because you better have a hit on that first record, or you don't yeah. probably get a second record. Right. Um, and uh, you worked with with Don Don Cook, right? On the oh man, Don Cook, Dave Clark, absolutely. Yeah. Two, two that was, of my favorite, most oh, people man. in the world. Me too, me too. So, did you like? Did you have songs ready to go when you went in for that first record? Did you have? Did you go in just with a blank slate and let's create this from the bottom up? Let me preview me getting signed, okay? Because anybody who's listened to the podcast mm-hmm. that's a wannabe artist, um, I was running around singing at churches. Go back to my analogy. 75 bucks a piece, whatever it was. So I'm sitting here thinking, hey, for me to make a living, I'm going to have to do 15 churches a month, you know what I'm saying, to be able to pay my bills and blah, blah, blah. Which means that across the course of the deal, I've got to do 180 dates a year. And that was pretty standard back then for all of us. Now, this is before the artistry. You're you're right. Right. And keep that in mind for the listeners. Keep that in mind. But I said to myself, I need to figure out how to get all those churches to come to me. So that I can do one event and have those 180 churches there. So I started looking around. There was two people out there doing it. There's a guy named Josh McDowell, right? Who was 
totally a godly, awesome man. And there's a guy named Dawson McAllister, who I just did his funeral last oh, year, who passed away. Wow. Dawson was doing conferences. Josh was doing conferences. I went to the Dawson thing. I had some friends help me get to him, and I got to him. We did a camp together. From there, he asked me to come do a conference. And then from that, I ended up doing 13 years of conferences with Dawson McAllister, speaking to 125,000 kids, singing to 125,000 kids. I was the only musician. He was the only speaker. And I cannot tell you, but for the most part, cassettes were in when I was doing this. <laughs> Sorry. I was selling pretty much more cassettes than half of the artists on Vincent out of my trunk. Does that make sense? Yep. And I remember those days. I remember these stories about you. Yeah. And that's how I ended up getting signed to the label. So when I signed to the label, then I came up with a really tough crux. Now, how do I keep doing what I love doing with yeah. Austin or doing the label? But the label was attractive to me. Having a song on the radio was attractive to me. So the first record came out. Uh, I had that whole network that we were working with, so we got them to kind of help us. Hey, call the radio stations, etc. Then that's what was really fascinating about you, because when we came in, we were, I mean, we're right out of college. Right. We go right. right into truth. We're doing 350 shows <laughs> exactly. a year. You know, we're just, we're just following where the music leads us. Right. You came in with more of a, a businessman mindset. Like you were a businessman right off the bat. And and that was fascinating to us because we saw you be able to do some things that we weren't able to do, which was um, uh, do a lot of your own funding, do a lot of your own. Uh, you were already you were you were ahead of the game in your marketing and where you wanted your music to go and who it was going to reach. The rest of us were just kind of happy to. Oh, we got another. They're going to listen to the record. Oh, great. Oh, we got another song. Already? Oh, great. There was another level to you. That was that always made us watch you from a distance. Go, oh, man, that guy's that guy's got like he knows where he's going, what he's doing. Well, if I was going to answer that question, I would answer it this way: Nobody does something of of success without help. And a lot of times, people always think, "Well, that guy, man, he's a, a genius." No, it's all the people around him that helped him that that pushed him, that filled in the holes, that filled in the gaps, that gave him the ideas. I, I did a leadership thing the other day, and the, the, the man said, you need to have people around you that give you great opinions. But at the end of the day, it's your job to pick the right opinion to go. Yeah. Like you need to hear their opinions. Yeah. I had a lot of that. So I had a guy like Al McDonald. I had Dawson McCallister. By the way, I had that forged a great relationship with Josh. I had a lot of people push me in that area. Mm-hmm. And so when I cut my relationship with Vincent, I cut – Marketing matching money. I put money in. It makes sense. Uh, they they quoted, uh, and I don't know if Dan Clary's listening, but <laughs> he remembers. I went to him and said, "I want to cut my record budget. I don't want you spending that much money on me, but I'm going to give you this much money to market it." So, so in the process of doing things like that, I feel you're, like, a, you're a label's dream. I felt I felt like that might have been a well. I didn't want to not recoup, so right. I felt like that might have been a. A way to go, and then I already had the network. But then I wanted to go tour, and I remember going out with Pets for the first time. They were yeah. my first, oh, first, wow. first. Well, they, they weren't my first show to go on. Yeah, but they were my first tour to go on. Yeah, I went out with Russ Taff and Wayne Watson. Oh wow! For a three day thing, the minute I, I made my first cassette out of college, so I went out there for a whole weekend. I remember ordering five hundred. I'm going, Lord, this has <laughs> broken my bank. What I'm going to do? And I remember after the second show of the three I went out on, yeah. I didn't have a cassette left. You know why? Not because of how good I did, 
but because a guy named Wayne Watson and Rust Taff stood on the stage and told him I was a newbie and to go buy my stuff and help him get started. Nobody gets where they're going by themselves. That's right. That's great. Well, you've had a you had a really good run at Benson. Um, just, and I loved it. Yeah. And those people were great. I loved you know, everybody. Andy, Jerry, I loved yeah. Dan Lee. I loved, I loved all of them that we worked with. Yeah, we worked with it's, it's, so, it's so nice to have all those relationships still. Yes. Oh, you yeah. know, and even though you kind of you kind of did this, you know, you, you butted heads a lot there. We always because do. everybody's everybody's trying to make it sure. the best it can be, right? Um that they I want just, more out of us, we want more out of them. That's right. <laughs> and that's the way good business should work. Sure. Good, good business relationship. But um, it's just nice to be able to call those people friends. Uh, yeah, Dennis Disney. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think of, of uh, Bill Baumgart, who was there. Who was your oh, NR? Yeah, well, I went through a few of them. Yeah. Didn't we all? Yeah. I had Andy. Andy Ivey was our first one, too. Okay. Dan uh, Cleary was my first. Okay. Then Andy Ivey. Then Bill Baumgart. Yeah. I remember I got this story of Bill Baumgart. But then Bill Baumgart, which loved working with him, too. Just, I, I, I don't even know who my last one was. Uh, uh, Troy. Oh, Troy, Van Troy Van Leer, yeah. Troy Van Leer. And I, but think of those four names I just named. Mm-hmm. Think of the quality of all four of those people. How yeah. blessed was I? Yeah. I mean, it's like drinking from a fire hose. They're yeah. all so smart. Yeah. And when we did the Don Cook thing that you talked about yeah. a minute ago, referenced uh, on the plane trip, mm-hmm. uh, I saw Andy. And it's like yeah. it's like hugging somebody that that's your family member that you hadn't seen that's been overseas doing mission work or something. Yeah. They're back. It's just yeah. so good. So I think that's what's missing now in in um, modern music with people just just making music everywhere. Right. That outside of a system. Right. I, I saw a post, and um, I'm, I'm not going to encourage people to go read the post, but just there's a lot of language in it. But it was really spot on from uh, Steve Lukather of Toto, right. just talking about the state of the music industry right, right now, right, right. royalty rates, and all that stuff. Because <clears> oh yeah, but also that. Music's being made outside of a system, so everyone can do it, which is great. Um, everyone can get their voice heard, which is great, but it also just dilutes. I mean, it, it takes it takes an act of God seriously for you to be heard, yes, and for you for your music to reach yes. a, a larger audience. But to us, that was the beauty of having an A and R guy, yeah, a great A and R guy like like Andy Ivy, uh, for example, who. Who was kind of the the guys like those are a lot of great ideas, but they're not going to work. Okay. Listen to me, I know I know what's going to sell. Right. I know what singles. I know don't do that song, do this song. Right. And we would fight with Andy. We sure. would fight with Bill. And uh, you know we'd go. We believe in this. He's like, but it's not going to work. Trust me, I know how to help you put a great record together. And that was a big part of our success in those days. We're really great A and R guys. I don't know where those people are now yeah. in the music industry. I'm sure they're out there. But for the most part, artists are just kind of left to do whatever they want to do, sure. which is cool. But it's it, there. There's a big step missing in that. So I'll give you a story that you and I both share. It's not a story; it's just a fact. So if you're listening and you're thinking about or trying to go into music and you're writing and blah blah blah, you and I have both turned in the songs to our A and R guys, mm-hmm. and they've handed it back and said, "My three year old could have written this song. This is a horrible <laughs> song." And we're going. No, man, my, I, I spent two days on that song and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Have you had that? Oh, yeah. yeah. And you turn it and you go, well, what do I do? This is, we'll go write another one. What do I do with this one? Put it in the trash can, write another yeah. one. That's hard to hear. Yeah. When you're an artist going, well, dude, you're not selling that many records. I am. 
Who are you to tell me this? About? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm the one out there in front hey, of crowds exactly. every night. Yeah. And I sang it last night, and they loved it. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. and then, but I remember I was out in Tahoe. Just on vacation, we had a place out in Tahoe. So I was out in Tahoe. Bill Baumgart was in Sacramento. Yeah. And he was my producer. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd written a song, and, and, and he had it, and he loved it. He picked it for the record. He's going to produce it. So I laid the demo out. So it's done. Love the way it sounded, blah, blah. He comes over from Sacramento. Says, here, man, I finished it. I want you to hear it. It's produced. I mixed it. I did everything. And I was like, this is not even close to what I sent to you. What do you I mean, it had rhythm with it. It had da da da. I said, what are you doing? And, and you know, he's sitting here showing me his work, wanting me to go, yeah. this is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I'm irritated going, that's not what I wrote. That makes sense. And then he said, gave me the reasons it's got to play on the radio. It's got to have some movement, blah, blah, this is summer, they're not going to play ballads. Blah, blah. You know, he just went on this whole thing, yeah. you know. And I went, okay. Was he right? Dead on. Dead on. And, and so what I'm saying to, as artists that are listening to this, mm-hmm. we all know that. Yeah. As people who are coming up, that was a hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. And it was worse when I went back over the hill to go to the airport to fly back to Houston. I was in Houston at the time to fly back to Houston. It was a hard pill to swallow going, that guy just saved me. And I wrote a bad song and he made it pretty good. <laughs> and then, so I called him back later and said that. He said, no, it was a good song. You just didn't have it right. I don't think you did it right. Yeah. You know, and, and the, so you're going to run across challenges all that along your career. We did. And by the way, I run, run it, I run it in business every day. And it's, it's a, it's a tough thing as well sometimes, but we have to have people around us that love us, that care enough about us to be honest with us. And then we have to be able to take that honesty, even though it irritates us. Yeah. And even if it makes us go two or three days not talking to them, we need to absorb it and say, God, why did you have them tell me that? The biggest thing I do in my life now is always ask why. Why did Andy call me? Of all the podcast people that call me, why do I want to go do Andy's? Does that make sense? Why do I want to do the other ones? Why do I want to do Andy's? You know what I'm saying? Because I love you. We've been friends since 90. 89 to 80, whatever it was. We've been friends that long. But at the same time, I see your ministry. I see what you're doing. I love this. I pray this is hugely successful. Thank you. And I pray God's blessing over you on this. Thank you. And that's not just because we're on the podcast. I truly mean that. Well, that's why I came over to do it. Well, it's fun to be Well, here. I'm honored for sure. I'm really honored. Um, those words mean a lot to me, especially from you. Because I, I do. I, I, we, all four of us in four, and we looked up to you a lot back then. We may not have said it or showed it, but, you know, we, we looked up to you just, just the way that you, man, you just built a machine that went that way. And you did it with, with sincerity and love for everyone, that, that the team that was around you. You just did it right. And very few people did that. I mean, um, it's sad to say, you know, just in any industry, anywhere there's money or, or right. a platform, there's going to be. You know, wolves in sheep's clothing. But sure, you're the real deal, man. You still are. Uh, who who were the who were your best friends out on the road during that day? Who were the people that you, you know, because you know, I, I I and you know, go back and listen to different podcasts. I've talked about people that we were close to during that time. The, who spurred you on? Like who who were some of the the, the iron that sharpened you? Well, like like like, like like I said, uh, I remember Petra allowed me to do. A uh, small tour with them. Yeah. At my very beginning, I remember my first night on stage. I had. Uh, I'm telling you straight up. I 
this would go to my grave. I'd get out there and, and they'd all agree to come watch me and give me input because I'd ask them for it. Mm-hmm. Please, I want, and I said, I want it straight up. So, so when I got started, I looked over and sure enough, they were all, all over sitting right there on, in chairs right on the side of the stage watching me. I was yeah. like, cool, they did this. So I'm out there singing. I had this little spot where I was going to sit down, come kind of on the edge of the stage and say something. Or get up. So I, I was doing great. I did my first three. They gave me five songs. I did my first three songs. It was great. I sat down for my fourth one, and then I was going to come back and do a big close that's fast. Mm-hmm. My fourth one, I'm sitting there, and as I'm talking, I get hit in the head with a penny. Somebody threw it from the crowd, threw a penny at me and hit me. I remember that, and I was going, and the minute I got hit, I looked at it and went, oh, man, they hate me. That's the immediate yeah. feeling I had. Mm-hmm. So then I had two choices, what I do to get over. And I said, oh. but like I said, I was quick-witted. I said, oh, gosh, you got hit in the head with a penny. I only need 45 more cents. Anybody got 45 more cents? <laughs> and I read it, ching, 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 ching. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I said, yeah. That's enough. Thank you. <laughs> then I finished, you know, I finished, and I felt like, in a sense, I recovered. Yeah. But I also went back and said, "Wow!" What? And then I remember, uh, I went from that to a, to a, a Ocean City, New Jersey, for a Youth for Christ thing with a guy named Mark Jever. Then I remember Mark said, "When you get on stage, seventy percent of the people are just going to like you because you're there. There's thirty percent that the minute you walked out, they didn't like what you were." Didn't like your opening words. Didn't like how you picked the mic up. Didn't like the look you had when you came out. And you've got to win those 30%. And he goes, at the end of the concert, you didn't win them all. Mm-hmm. He said, so once you get past all that in your head, remember, it's not about that. But that's what you're going to think it's about. Yeah, It's about Jesus. And go live through his name. If you can find any, he said, anointing, you can't order anointing. You've got to flow into it and God's got to grant it to you and blah, blah, blah. Okay. He said, so push for that. And then the rest of it's God's business. And and I keep coming back to this whole podcast. It takes other people breathing into your life yeah. to keep moving forward. And yeah. that if that was the theme of this podcast, that's what it is. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, you know, that's we, we talked about earlier was that the thing that 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 um, notoriety and fame in this industry can do to you is you you elevate yourself yeah, oh yeah, and yeah. you put yourself on the platform and but then everything negative that is is either said about you or you hear about yourself or a bad review or people in the audience that you know look like they hate you or they get up sure, and walk sure, sure, out sure, sure. you take it all personal oh yeah you can't and help. you that's one thing you have to get over that yeah. I work with worship pastors across the country and that's one of the things. That we sit down and talk about almost yeah. for an entire session is how to get past your perceived image yep. and, oh, yeah. and everything that the enemy's throwing at you from the audience, all the looks, all the laughter, all the movement, all the, you know, yeah. the people that aren't doing anything that you've asked them to do. Exactly. And you think it's a reflection on you. It's not. There, there have been so many artists I know in your life and my life right. that have helped us to navigate really well a sure. lot of those situations where we doubted ourselves or maybe we weren't, you know, we were still trying to figure things out on the sure, road. Life. Uh, Carmen was, was one of those guys for us. A huge, just, one, a huge one for me too. It, yeah. Huge. Just show up at our concerts and yeah. nobody knew he was there. He'd just be backstage yeah. waiting on us. We'd be sure. like, 
Oh, Carmen's here. <laughs> oh, hey, how you doing? You know, and he'd say, hey, don't don't end your first set with that song. You need some more teacher to sing, sing this song. Or right. he's like, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to stay for your second half. I got to go do something else. But just wanted to pop in and tell you, hey, you guys are great. Here's a couple of things you should remember. And, and if you're going to take notes from anyone, it's probably Oh, sure. Absolutely. Them. Yeah. And uh, who were those people for you? Like, like, um, uh, I know you, you said you toured with Petra a little bit. And yeah, we had, I mean, and then, and then you know, Carmen yeah. was, was massive to me. Same stories. Call him and say, hey, I hear you're going on tour. Let me give you one of my trucks. Well, I'm off tour right now. Just take one of my trucks. Wow. Just huge giver. People didn't know that about him. You know what I'm saying? He was yeah. completely different in the industry. Record companies didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. Makes sense. Radio stations. Yeah. Didn't know no, the they, yeah. Radio, radio stations were playing his music because, it, yeah, again, they didn't. Had no idea what was going on there, and he had the whole "don't be afraid to take a risk" thing. But like you mm-hmm. said, uh, when we were talking before about you know who else would go out and rent Texas Stadium, right? Put a hundred thousand people in, right? Who would take that risk, right? You know what I'm saying? So God did a lot of things through him. Believe it or not, other things like like Rebecca St. James and King and Country love both them. I love their integrity. I love how they operate their ministries. But their manager, David Smallbone. He was an influence in me because I would watch how he made those tough decisions with integrity. Mm-hmm. And I learned, I learned a, a phrase, and I'd love for y'all to hear this on the podcast. Uh, it was a fraction, like a fraction, you know, one mm-hmm. over two. And it was relationships over issues. Always protect the relationship over the issue. So that's ROI. So instead of return on investment, right. it's relationship over issues. Exactly right. That's interesting. And and I had to learn that because that was a, you know, you fight to get where you are. Yeah. So sometimes you're pushing that issue over that relationship and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and man, I, I have, the cool thing about God is he forgives us and loves us in spite of ourselves. And I hadn't been the perfect cat. I've made so many mistakes along the way. Uh, so I don't deserve any of the success I have, but God's grace has been very gracious to me. I didn't outsmart God. He was very gracious. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Wow. So all those relationships, even, even those that aren't in it, by the way, the relationship with my church, people I have in my church, I had a great counselor, uh, old, old guy, saw him all the time. And, and he just, he would give me peace sometimes to go stop. When you're worrying, that just means you don't think God can take care of it. So stop. Yeah. You know, and it's like I said, this interview is about people. It's about you can't do it by yourself. It's got to be other people. So I had so many different influences in my life. And then I watched people like when we first started, Mm -hmm. who was big? Amy Grant. Amy Grant. Michael Michael W. Smith. Mm -hmm. I've watched how Amy has has managed herself, how she went through challenges. We all have challenges. So she went through her challenges. Yeah. And how beautiful a job she did executing all that. And if you sat, I, 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 I took her from a concert the other night to the airport. I picked her up. She is still the most genuine person. She so is. It has never touched I will, I will. If anyone ever asks me, what's Amy Grant like? That's the first thing I'll tell them. Is she's the most genuine person. 100%. You'll ever meet. And you know, and, and I dropped her off at the airport. I got back in my car and I, and I thanked the Lord for it and said, you know, she really cares about people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, and well, I had Michael in the car too. And uh, nothing, I'm not, I've already told you how much I love that guy. Yeah. 
but it was neat to, to I didn't it never had as much time with Amy. We've had times together for mm-hmm. it. I played for it for events, but never uh, had that real special intimate time with her. Yeah. And it was just super, super cool. And by the way, she was on her way to get some huge award for the, some center in Washington. I was so proud of her. Yeah. And, uh, but watching it, even though they're not in my life in daily conversations, watching how they handle the good things yeah. and the bad things yeah. uh, helped, helped me. So my influence became a lot by watching as much as it did by having people in my life. Yeah. And I think yeah. at night. So. And you told me this story before we started recording about Mylon Lefebvre reaching out to you after the plane crash. And um, Mylon was a big influence on us as well. I mean, just any time we were in the same vicinity as him, he yeah. was just like this this person that would just yeah. come and minister to us and pray over us, encourage us. I mean, one of the yeah. best encouragers I've ever been around. I didn't, I didn't put him on my list because he has a, and always will have a special place in my heart. So, but, but it becomes personal. So mm-hmm. yeah. I guess because it's you and I love you so much, I'll give you a quick personal okay, story. Okay, please, um, please. I had the plane grass. Um, to be honest with you, feeling sorry for myself. Can't believe this happened. Sitting on the couch one day, it's, it's, it's after the plane crash. I'd gone to a doctor. And the doctor told me that my scaphoid bone in my left hand was dying. So I've been to another doctor. He said the same thing. They said the only version of this is to fuse it because it's going to be dead here in another few weeks. So I had to fuse my wrist, which is going to affect the way I play piano. Uh, and that was something I love to do. So I was going, how do I work? Right. It's my wife going to go. She helped me get on the couch. I'm sitting on the couch. No TVs going, no nothing. I'm just sitting there just really having a pity party. Yeah. Just feeling bad and going, you know. And then I'm looking at God going, okay, you got my attention, but why are you doing this? Now, I understand what you wanted, but why are you doing this, God? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Phone rings. I pick it up. It's my little favor. This is the personal part. And he says, hey, brother, how you doing, man? So I'm doing good. We talked for a minute. And he said, hey, listen, I was praying that the Lord gave me a word. I need to feel responsible and tell you what the word is. But he goes, I know you're a Baptist, so I got to get you before I tell you this word to promise me you'll believe it. And I said, well, you know, it's a little different for me, man. You know, <laughs> I'm not used to somebody calling up and telling me I have a word for yeah. me, you know. And uh, it just doesn't happen in my church. And he, and he said, well, do you believe it, though? I said, yeah. And then it's kind of sadly enough, I said, tell me more. You know, instead of going yes. And, tell yeah. and then he goes, the Lord told me you're having a problem with your wrist. Okay, Andy, no one knew that except my wife. Yeah. Not a soul. So how did he know it? So then I said, in my Baptist heart, this must be real. So I said to him, you have my attention. He said, okay, look, God told me that if I would pray over you, and if you'd believe, he would heal you. I need you to believe. This is my own. I, I was hoping he didn't ask me how I was doing, but he, he just came straight at it. And I said, yeah, I do. And I remember putting the phone in my ear, and he started praying, and I was squalling, probably one of the hardest I've ever cried in my whole life. Because I could tell his prayer was real. Yeah. And he just kept praying. And I was sitting there. I was just, I was, look at me now. I'm sitting here right now. First of all, it's unbelievable. I hung the phone up and I said, man, I've been healed. I've been healed. So my wife came home. I told her. Then I'm going to go to the doctor. So my doctor's appointment to 
figure out how to fuse it with theirs. We went in and, and I said, Hey, Doc, before you do this, can we have one more x ray? He said, Oh, we had three. Yeah. And I said, A friend of mine called me and he prayed over me and he said, God was going to heal me. He goes, I'm a man of faith. We'll get one more set up. So uh, a little bit later, set up, I went to the, a few days later, I went and did the x ray. He calls me back and said, No surgery. He said, Somehow, a vessel attached back to your wow. scaphoid bone and the part that the half of it was already dead. He said, that started to come back to life. Wow. He said, come see me in a month and we'll see. And God healed that. You see me move my wrist now. God healed that. And and I'm telling you, I, I, I called Mylon and thanked him. And he said, the Lord told me so. Thank him. Wow. Those kind of godly people, people don't see. They, they they don't see that piece of their life. Mm-hmm. They see what we give them to see on stage. Does that make sense? Yeah. But you normally don't get to know. And then there's that old phrase out there that says, oh, I love that artist till I met him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that, that, that's yeah. still there because, I mean, I remember, I, I, I remember getting emails back in my career, and I guarantee you got them, oh, yeah. where some guy said, you were walking back to the bus, and I kept yelling to get an autograph from you, and you didn't turn. You just kept going. Well, dude, you and I both, if we'd have heard somebody doing that, we'd have turned. I don't care what kind of mood we're in, we'd right. have turned. Yeah. We didn't hear them. Yeah. But they don't know we didn't hear them. Right. That makes sense? Right. So you have all this stuff that's out there that you really don't have anything to do with that's still there. And that's the glass house that we live in. And uh, I used to think to myself, you know, I don't want to live in this glass house and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, we're in a glass house every day. You know why? Because God sees. Oh, that's good. So the glass house that we're in is the one that he gave us. Mm-hmm. So we have to wake up dependent on him every day, knowing that he's got the key to the front door. Wow. That makes sense? That makes good sense. I love that. You know, I love the Milan story because one thing that I think was a real blessing for all of us was the the road that we traveled in Christian music helped us get out of our our little box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? That's this is a good point. Keep yeah, going. Keep and, going. And I remember I was a little Southern Baptist boy. And sure. and still, I mean, I, I you know, that you can take the boy out of Southern Baptist, you can't take the Southern Baptist out of the boy. I think that's that's always a part of what we are, right? Probably true. And uh, I, when I got on the road with truth, man, I got around a bunch of Pentecostals, a bunch of church yeah, sure, sure, sure. guys, AG guys. Yeah. Uh, and one of the first concerts I did in truth was at Brooklyn Tabernacle. Awesome. And it blew my mind, yes. dude. Because it wasn't crazy for the sake of being crazy, which, no, let's, let's sure, be no, honest, I, I, in yeah. 80s and 90s, right. you know, that was way church, there sure. was a lot of crazy going on. Right. But it was ordered, and it was like my, my little Southern Baptist mind and heart were like, okay, I see the order in this. Yeah. They're backing everything up with Scripture. It's very sound teaching, but yet the gifts of the Spirit are flowing everywhere. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Right. And thankfully, through the years, you know, I was able to be around people who, you know, you know, I, I could just see diff, the, the spirit working in different ways in their lives. And it did just in my life and my church. Where I was right, growing right, up. Right. And I think that was a real gift for us as artists to, to go obviously play in Baptist churches around the world, right. then to go play in charismatic churches around the world and play in Catholic churches sure, yeah, and exactly. play in, in Presbyterian churches and play in non-denominational churches. Or sing Agapella and Jesus Christ. Exactly right. Or go overseas and sing in a Orthodox that, yeah, church. Yes, yes, or, yes. You know, things like that and go, man, God's here too. Right. The Spirit's moving here too. Maybe maybe I have a I had a really small view 
of who God is and how he can be worshipped and how we can approach him than uh, than I did just going to my little church and just, you know, staying in this little box. Now, uh, yeah, I don't. And what I don't want to do is put down small churches or, you know, um, or any, any denomination. But, man, God's so much bigger. Then we give him credit for. And I think one of the blessings that we have gotten to see and the people we've gotten to meet and the stories we can tell and, and hear about show us a God that is so much bigger than we can ever ask or imagine. And, and, and what's funny was is that uh, I used to, and those who are listening, you may agree with me, I used to think this is the way God works. Yeah. And then as I traveled around more, I realized that he works in so many different ways I had no clues about, but I'm still okay with the way he works with me. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I had to get over all the other ways and other things that happened and blah, blah, blah. I remember way back when I had a guy stand up in one of my concerts and start speaking in tongues. Mm. I had no idea what to do, <laughs> but I was being uh, every Tuesday with my pastor, John Morgan at St. Smart Baptist church. Uh, which is now Sage My Church, but I met yeah. with him. Uh, he was there for like 56 years as a pastor. Yeah. Started the church, stayed there 56 years. Great guy. I met with him. I came and I said, Pastor, what do I do? This guy stood and speaking tongues. I didn't know what to do. I just sat there. I just kept playing, didn't know what to do. Didn't know whether to sit there and wait to see if somebody would interpret and blah, 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 because I know they have to have an interpreter and blah, blah, blah. I said, what do I do? He said, you want the real answer or you want the funny answer? Mm-hmm. I said, I'd rather have the funny answer first. He goes, <laughs> take somebody with you. And tell him this. If that ever happens, you can tell him to do this. I said, what? He said, when the guy gets up and stands up and turn it, have your friend stand up right and says, praise God. He just said he was going to give $5,000 to the building fund. He said, that'll shut it all down after that. I said, okay, that's funny. What's the real answer? And he said, the real answer, son, is you don't know till you see God. So let God do what he does. And ask God to help you know how to handle that situation. Yeah. And handle it and flow into it. That could be God turning the corner of your concert because you weren't doing what it takes to get the anointing to come into the room. Yeah. He might have been doing you a favor. Wow. He wow. said, so you need to go that way. So I like this funny answer better, but yeah, but it's just so I have a funny story about that. We uh, and I may have shared not shared that on another podcast, but I'll share it again. Um, we were in Truth and we yes. were playing Sanford University. Okay, yeah, Birmingham. Yeah. You bet. Very oh, very oh. Southern Baptist. Very very conservative place. Capital and. At the end of the concert, um, a guy was laying on the ground in between a couple of rows of chairs. Yeah. And so, like, the paramedics came, everybody gathered around, and we came over there and started gathering around to pray over him. And as everyone gathered around, he opened his eyes, well, hey, what are y'all doing? And we went, you passed out, dude. And he goes, no, 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 I was praying. I was slaying the spirit. <laughs> and I was just, he's like, y'all can just back up now. I'm fine. Yeah. And we're like, okay, that's interesting. I haven't. You know, again, growing up in the Baptist Church, I haven't run across that before. So, uh, yeah, you do see a lot of fun things out there. A lot of interesting, a lot of interesting things that that shape your theology. You know, and or make you go, yeah, you know what? That's not right. I don't believe that unless measured up to God's word. I think that's, yeah, it, it can it can cause you to really have some different ideas about. Do you know the greatest that. lesson that I learned, and I got to learn it from. Being on the other side of the stick. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it was this. Cannot in any way, shape, form, or fashion judge anybody for anything. And what happens in 
denomination a lot of times is we feel like we have it, you know, this is the way it is and this is the way it is. And then when something happens like that, you immediately jump to a judgmental thing and you can't do it. You just flat out, flat out can't do it. And uh, I wake up every day and we're sitting here in this interview. My son's right behind us hearing every single word I'm saying. And he will testify to you. I will not and do not judge anybody for anything. Because he who is out sin, let him cast the first stone. Mm. I am Go not, back to the last houses. I am not worthy yeah. to judge a soul. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. So I just, and that has actually created freedom in me. Yeah. It sounds weird, but it's created freedom in me. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, let's wrap this up by just talking about what you're doing now, because I think, you know, again, so many people look, I just had Brent Bourgeois. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brent's awesome. And what's he, crazy, he is awesome. Uh, what's crazy is all the success he had in the pop world and the Christian world, yeah. what he's doing now at Facebook and Meta know. Crazy. is mind blowing. The billions of, of, uh, of impressions that he has on the songs that he's created for, right. um, for reels and all those kinds of things. It, it's it dwarfs anything he did in his first yep. and second act. Sure, you know this third act that we keep uh, that keeps coming up with with so many people like us. This third act tends to be more exciting, yeah, um, uh, more refreshing. Maybe even um, puts things in perspective. And you're I don't know if you're third act, or fourth act, or fifth act, whatever that is at this stage in your life. You are 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 just Continuing to do more and more things in your life, can you just share a little bit of what, yeah, what all it, you're doing now? Make it super fast. Um, I got two boys. One is 23. He's married to uh, the only girl he's ever dated. Uh, liked each other. They were in the same class since pre-kindergarten. Liked each other in seventh uh-huh. grade. Dated in ninth grade. Went through that whole high school. Went through all of college together at Liberty University. Got out on a Saturday and got married the next Sunday. So I got a 23 year old who does that. He's into music, I call him on the way over here. He said, "Yep, he's singing this weekend at a church called Gateway." Yeah. So in Prosper, yeah. Prosper campus, and then I have a 19 year old who uh, who is a business major. He's at Liberty. He went his freshman year. He came back home to kind of help over. He's my business guy. So my firstborn is my one side of the brain that's creative and singing, yeah. and that my secondborn Gabe, who's in the room, you just split there. yourself, didn't you? Yeah, he's a yeah. he's a business guy, so he's really kind of helping taking over some of the businesses we have. And, and it has been a blast to be their dad. And uh, it's an honor. So when you ask about what I'm doing forward, when he, my AJ was born, which is my first one, I missed two birthdays. I missed him walking, missed him talking because we're out touring, right? Yeah, we almost, all job job. almost missed both the, uh, the births of both my children. Wow. Yeah. So, you understand the artists out there that are traveling that now have 360 deals with record labels that say you have to tour X amount of dates a year. That's hard. I had that contract. He was born. It was a mutual contract. So I said, I held him in my arms in that delivery room. And I said, okay, Lord, I get it. This time, you don't have to give me a plane crash. So I called Scott and said, I can't be an artist anymore. I have mutual options. I'll finish my last tour. He asked me because he said, well, your record's part of my quarterly, you know, yeah. my yearly record. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, I'll finish it for you. So I finished that, and then I said, I got to do something else. So uh, 
I'd always liked real estate, had a real estate license for forever. So I just started doing that. I'd been dabbling a little bit in the assisted living center. So, so I do some senior communities and, uh, enjoy that. Enjoy the fire of that. I got six of those. Those are fun. I have it with a partner named Don Sapal. We've been partners for 37 years. Wow. So even back when I was doing music, we we're still partners. His company paid for my first cassette that got me to Benson. Wow. Through Dawson. That's so, so cool. So that, and then, uh, uh, so I do a Sicily center. Uh, you're sitting in my hotel. So, so we got some hospitality, building another one now, building a Marriott now, and, uh, have a ranch out in, uh, Bells, which Tracy runs, which is beautiful. It is out there. Yeah, yeah. it's it's gorgeous, and uh, it's it's full of people right now as we speak. And then, um, and then I I do home building. I build a lot of communities. Yeah. So we'll build about if we're on track, we'll build between 108 and 118 homes this year. So we do that and have a lot of great people who work with me there. We're a family. Uh, We play together. We work together. It's just it's actually fun to go to work. It, as you noticed, it was fun when we came in the hotel to yep. the, the employees. Yep. So we try to keep a culture that's really good. My lady who runs all my assist living centers has been with me for 18 years now. And she's a blessing. So I just kind of, I kind of do business that way. And then we do our best to give away our profits. So like if you went to my home building company, you can go to that website. You can look at it and you can find out where we give and you can send in, you know, we, our goal is to be able to invest back into different ministries. Yeah including what you're doing here. So we love being a part of this and we're grateful that you're doing this and pray many blessings on you. you. And for those of you that that hear this podcast, not because I'm on it, but man, I, I would encourage you to share because the truth is it's hard to reach people for Christ these days because there's so many different pieces of information to give. But this is a positive piece of information that you can give, not just because of me. He has so many different arts on there. I would encourage you to, to, to send this out to people because it's one more way that they can hear about God that may be interesting to them that they may not be interested in other forms. So if you get a chance, please share this. Hey, thanks for listening. Join me every Monday for new stories from the Christian music industry and beyond. If you want more content like this, along with a lot of great music, join me for Worship with Andy Christman airing on 500 stations around the world every weekend. When you get a sec, run over to my website, andychristman.net, for information about my professional vocal coaching and an incredible new resource for worship pastors called The Worship Table. See you next time on the One Degree of Andy podcast. One Degree of Andy, sponsored by Yellow Box. Yellow Box is a full-service creative agency and an extension of creative teams all across the nation. Whether you need a brand identity developed or a video team capturing your event, Yellow Box can help. They cover everything from web development and design to video production and strategy. Yellow Box comes alongside your team on whatever creative projects you might be working on to see them through to their fullest potential. If you'd like to know more about Yellow Box, follow them on social media at Hello Yellow Box or shoot them an email at hello at yellowbox.co.